What do you love about music? To begin with, everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Even better than the athletic spectacle in Rio are the incredible sounds coming out of Brazil. So the Sound Opinions World Tour is making its next stop in Brazil. We explore the country's rich musical heritage from bossa nova to tropicalia and beyond. Then we review the new album from singer-songwriter and finger-picking virtuoso Riley Walker. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and this week, Jim, we are taking a tour of Brazil because those uh, Summer Olympics uh, that you may or may not have been watching are just about wrapping up, but there's plenty of music to hear from that country as well. Now, this is a vast country with a vast history, so we're going to focus on one particular era, 1958 through 68, very important time for Brazilian music, the culture, the society, the country as a whole. Uh, we're talking about a period from when musically they went from bossa nova to MPB to tropicalia, movements that are still influencing the music today. And to speak to that, at the end of the segment, we're going to talk about the contemporary scene in Brazil. Yeah, it's not just ancient history. To help guide us on our world tour, we're joined by Sergio Mielnyshenko. Since 1978, he's hosted Brazilian Hour, a radio show in Los Angeles. Sergio, welcome to Sound Opinions. Oh, pleasure. Pleasure to be with you. So, Sergio, Bossa Nova emerges in the 50s, and it changes Brazilian music forever. It's literally a new way, which is what Bossa Nova means in Portuguese, right? Right. A new way of doing something. Right. A new way, but it had its roots. Obviously, yes. Uh, Bossa Nova, I think, uh, comes from a samba canção, slow samba, bolero, like samba. As well as jazz, classical music, so it's like a fusion of some different styles that generated the the new sound in Brazil in the late 50s. And it was that West Coast cool jazz in particular, right, that captured Brazilians' imagination? Jazz in general was very much part of uh, the music of Brazil. Musicians always loved jazz, always looking for that new vinyl arriving in Rio and uh, so you start kind of putting all, it all together, and then with the, our rhythms, our native rhythms, the samba, and that evolves slowly into a new type of music that is bossa nova. What are those rhythms, and what's unique about them, uh, uniquely Brazilian? It's the pandeiro, the, the tambourine, it's the hi-hats of a drum. Mm. You know, it has this sort of a agogo, kind of cowbell type of thing. That is the essence, it's, it's the percussion, it's the batuque. You know, it's, it's both uh, uh, music and dance. What was happening culturally, politically in Brazil uh, that gave 
a license to this kind of music to be born, to flourish the way it did, because usually the music is a reflection in some ways of what's going on culturally, what was happening in Brazil at the time. Yeah, definitely. Around that time was the building of Brasilia. So the capital of Brazil was Rio de Janeiro. And in 1960, it moves to the center of Brazil and the capital became Brasilia. So we had a, a very positive moment I think uh, worldwide, you know, you had uh, in Brazil was the building of Brasilia, the background music of our life was Bossa Nova, the lyrics reflected that feeling of uh, the sea, the girl, the sand and the little boat and so on. So uh, there was a moment of a, a positive feeling of Brazil and Brazilians. Volta do mar, desmaia o sol e o barquinho desliza e a vontade de cantar. Céu tão azul, ilhas do sul e o barquinho, o coração deslizando na canção. Tudo isso é paz, tudo isso traz uma calma de verão. Então o barquinho vai, a tardinha cai, o barquinho vai. 1958 was the time when the first album came out in Rio or in Brazil. Uh, was called Canção do Amor Demais by, on the voice of Elisete Cardoso. The guitarist uh, backing Elisete Cardoso was a young musician named João Gilberto. Outra vez sem você Outra vez sem amor Outra vez vou sofrer, vou chorar Até você voltar so it was pretty much the first time you can say that he played with someone and from that point on he was himself, you know. Soon after his own album was released and uh, it became so big in Brazil and eventually worldwide. Vai minha tristeza e diz a ela que sem ela não pode ser João Gilberto came up with a new way of playing the guitar and singing. Very simple, but very complicated. It's, it's, it's hard to, to find somebody who can do what he does. You know, he took the sounds of a samba, distilled the instruments and transposed to the guitar and voice. What made his singing so exciting to young Brazilians? You have to think of the history of music in Brazil because a little before Bossa Nova, for a long time, to be a good singer, to be considered a good singer, you had to have a powerful voice. You know, it comes all the way from the, from the operatic type of singing. Quanto mais ponho bebida, mais a sombra colorida aparece ao meu So when, when Bossa Nova comes about and João Gilberto singing with a little voice, very minimal, mm. in a guitar, there was a moment of a, you know, a challenge. Bing, 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 bing. 
track uh, that was hugely popular about uh, the singer being off-key. Right, off-key, desafinado. So he says, and he talks a little bit about being off-key and having the little voice and, uh, and that the song comes from the heart. And I think, I think that marked, you know, the, the change, the going from one movement, one type of music into another, in another stage in Brazilian music. Se você disser que eu desafio amor Saiba que isto em mim provoca imensa dor Só privilegiados têm ouvido igual ao seu Eu possuo apenas o que Deus me deu you know, the name we haven't talked about yet is Antonio Carlos Jobim, or Tom Jobim. All the songs we've talked about so far, they were composed by him, along with countless other standards. Is it safe to say that no songwriter was more important to Bossa Nova than Jobim? Yeah, Jobim is uh, possibly the most important and well, most well-respected composer of the Bossa Nova era, yes. Tristeza não tem fim Jobim is a, man, a universal person who has a lot of love for, for Brazil, the nature, the forests, and the ocean, and the beautiful people. And he was able to bring all that into his music. And that pretty much became uh, the bossa nova that we know of Jobim. It's very romantic, very lyrical. So these early Jobim and Gilberto collaborations become hits in Brazil. And then the moment when Bossa Nova really explodes as a worldwide phenomenon is when the movie Black Orpheus comes out in 1959. The soundtrack has songs by Tom Jobim, Luis Bonfa, and others, and it's a, a huge global success. Manhã tão bonita, manhã. Na vida uma nova canção Cantando só teus olhos Teu riso, tuas mãos Pois há de haver um dia Em que virá what was the public perception of Bossa Nova within Brazil at that point? Bossa Nova was cool. You know, you imagine like somebody walking around with a guitar, guitar and voice, very simply, and singing those songs. I mean, it was like the music of the moment. And we needed that because uh, we have a new generation. You know, if you look what was happening around the world, you need a youth music. And believe that that was the music of the youth of the late 50s and early 60s in Brazil. These young musicians, 
middle-class musicians. They've lived right near the beach, Copacabana, Leblon. They used to get together in their in, in their apartments and, and have like little sessions, you know. And that's why they say um cantinho um e um violão, you know, a little corner and a guitar. And that's all you need to, to play and to compose and to share the music. Nara Leão was pivotal in this movement. She was very tasteful, very keen about the music and lyrics and everything. She became known as the muse of Bossa Nova. In her apartment in Rio, uh, she would bring all these musicians and they would just jam and play until morning. So that became part of the culture of uh, Bossa Nova and Rio de Janeiro. Se alguém perguntar por mim que fui por aí Levando um violão Debaixo do braço Em qualquer esquina Eu paro em qualquer botiquim Eu entro se houver motivo É mais um samba que eu faço Se quiserem saber Se eu volto diga que sim Mas só depois que a saudade se afastar de mim Mas só depois que a saudade se afastar de mim You know, I think your point that Bossa Nova was a hip youth movement is important because to this day, when North Americans think about Bossa Nova, they picture these cheesy cocktail lounges and airline commercials, the beach, the sunset. You've got this fantasy going yeah, on. It was the, the feel-good type of music and the... It created this sort of myth about Brazil as well. But in Rio, there, there was also the, the instrumental heavy bossa nova. And that wasn't the mellow bossa nova that we think of. And if you listen to Sergio Mendes playing one note samba, then it's super heavy and really vibrant. It's different from what bossa nova became to be known worldwide. At the same time, you're talking about a composer like Jobim, who was deeply yeah. admired by the jazz musicians in America. Sinatra loved his compositions. There was a sophistication going on there in the music that was maybe belied by this sort of surface uh, fantasy that was going on. So there was a little more yeah. complicated, a little more complex than maybe people realized, right? Oh, yes. Bostanova is very sophisticated. Uh, Jobim studied uh, classical music before he went into popular music. Marcos Valle, who wrote uh, many great uh, Bossa Nova tunes, a little post-Bossa Nova, but he also studied a lot of classical music. Você é tanto que na vida nada tenho Seu encanto e nem mesmo a luz do dia Tem toda a sua alegria Nem a primavera tem tanta espera Como se espera você vir chegando Por isso vamos... At the surface you have the beautiful melody Sometimes sounds simple, easy to absorb, but as you know, the harmonic structure is really highly sophisticated. I think that's one of the reasons why jazz musicians connected right away with Bossa Nova. 
Those jazz musicians start to bring bossa nova to the U.S., and it becomes a craze over here. Charlie Bird and Stan Getz score a pop hit with their version of Desafinado in 1962. There's that famous sold-out concert at Carnegie Hall in November 62, featuring most of the major bossa nova stars. And the next year, Gilberto records a whole album with saxophonist Stan Getz. That has this new song, written by Jobim, featuring vocals from Gilberto's wife at the time, Astrud. Tall and thin and young and lovely, the girl from Ipanema goes walking, and when she passes, each one she passes goes Girl from Ipanema, uh, Astrid uh, Gilberto sings it in English, but so many of these bossa nova songs were Portuguese. Was that or wasn't it an impediment to uh, uh, audiences in North America and the rest of the world? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I think the, the Portuguese language and the, and the songs, it becomes like an, another instrument another phrasing. Mm. And I think people absorb that as part of the music and not necessarily uh, understanding the lyrics. Mais Que Nada became a world hit and it's sung in Portuguese. It, it seems that it doesn't really matter what it is, what the lyrics mean, but it, what the music feels like. It becomes this vibrant song yeah. that people simply love it. After a short break, we'll continue our musical world tour after the 1964 military coup in Brazil with a look at MPB and Tropicalia. And later, we'll review the new album from Chicago finger-picking wizard Riley Walker. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Coisa mais bonita é você assim Justinho você, eu juro Eu não sei por que você Você é mais bonita que a flor Quem dera a primavera da flor Tivesse todo esse aroma de beleza Que é o amor Perfumando a natureza numa forma de mulher Por que tão linda assim não existe a flor Nem mesmo a cor não existe o amor Nem mesmo o amor existe E eu fico um pouco triste Um pouco sem saber se é tão lindo amor Estava à toa na vida, o meu amor me chamou Pra ver a banda passar, cantando coisas de amor A minha gente sofrida, despediu-se da dor Pra ver a banda passar, cantando coisas de amor Welcome back to Sound Opinions. We are in the midst of our musical world tour of Brazil. And that's a little bit of a banda. 
by Chico Buarque, one of the key figures in the generation of musicians that came after Bossa Nova, known as MPB, or Brazilian Popular Music. In March of 1964, right as The Girl from Ipanema is at the top of the U.S. charts and Bossa Nova is exploding all over the world, Brazil's democratic government is overthrown by a military coup. The country's thrown into turmoil and the military dictatorship lasts 20 years. We're joined by Brazilian music expert Sergio Mielnichenko. Sergio, uh, would you say that the military coup had an effect on the mood and the music in Brazil? Oh, yes, of course. I think uh, the fact that the is a changing government, is a changing of feeling, and then because his military becomes nationalistic, and uh, we have censorship, so it impacts uh, arts in general, uh, music, theater, film, uh, journalism, everything. So at that, at one point after '64, uh, the composers and some singers cannot sing those beautiful simple, uh, minimalistic tunes. Now it's time to really use your, your craft to protest. So it becomes a very energetic and very incredible time in Brazilian music that contrasting with the censorship and the dictatorship because now you have to use uh, different instruments, uh, tools to be able to express yourself and most of all to express what people thought, what people wanted to say. So the musician becomes the voice of the people. And that is a very important moment in our history. This period became known as the MPB music, you know, MPB, mm -hmm. the uh, popular Brazilian popular music. What were the artists that were speaking out most eloquently that were able to sort of create uh, an audience for themselves in this sort of divisive time? Yeah, for instance, you have uh, Edu Lobo, Geraldo Vandré, Sérgio Ricardo, those are musicians who came up with compositions that were vibrant and people could relate to what they're saying. Vem, vamos embora, que esperar não é saber. Quem sabe faz a hora, não espera acontecer. Vem, vamos embora, que esperar não é saber. The big venue for the MPB artists and uh, protest singers were these giant televised music festivals, song competitions held in Sao Paulo and Rio, and watched by just about everybody. So why were these festivals so important? They became the, a platform for expression. And uh, you had audiences really uh, rooting for one composer or the other and singing along. It was absolutely very vibrant. Many of these uh, great uh, uh, musicians became, you know, uh, known nationally and representing uh, different groups of people. You had the left, you had the right, and uh, you had, like, people booing one song and rooting for the other. So that was very exciting and energetic.
even though many times in a metaphoric form, you knew that they were like protesting against the government or the way society was. The, the military government was censoring many things, but they, they, it seems that the, the festivals went on. Vejam só que festa de arromba, para, no outro dia eu fui parar, para, presentes no local, o rádio e a televisão, cinema, mil jornais, muita gente em confusão, quase não consigo na entrada chegar, pois a multidão estava de amargar, hey, 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 que onda de festa de arromba. What about the influence of rock and roll coming into Brazil post Bossa Nova, this, this period in the mid-60s? Yeah, rock in Brazil uh, is very much influenced by American rock. And uh, Roberto Carlos becomes the, the leader of the young guard, Jovem Guarda of those days. Roberto Carlos, Erasmo Carlos, Vanderleia, and a number of others. It becomes a movement because I think at that point, Young people in Brazil needed something that they could consider theirs. De que vale o céu azul e o sol sempre a brilhar? Se você não vem e eu estou a lhe esperar, só tenho você no meu pensamento e a sua ausência é todo. Very simplistic, uh, you know, compositions, and I think went well uh, with the military government because nobody's protesting anything, no social political lyrics, was rhythm and fun. But it also seemed like it became political in a way because of the way the leftist protest singers responded to that young rock, right? I mean, it, it seemed like that they they didn't like it. Yeah, there was a conflict between the MPB composers and the, the Jovem Guarda, the, the new guard, the young guard of, uh, of Roberto Carlos and the others. That is true. They, they thought it was alienated and uh, they were not political. You know, very simplistic and very und, uh, undetached from what was going on in the country. Then the Tropicalia movement emerges, kind of straddling both of those worlds. The Tropicalistas have this social consciousness of the MPB protest singers, but they use the electric instruments of the Jovem Guarda rockers. I mean, this was a uh, cultural movement as much as a musical one. You know, you saw it in theater, film, visual arts, poetry, uh, largely made up of musicians uh, who were devotees of that Gilberto guitar style uh, and singing in these soft voices, but blending it with these outside western rock influences. Um poeta desfolha a bandeira e amanhã tropical se inicia. Resplandente, cadente, fagueira, num calor girassol com alegria. Na geleia geral brasileira que o jornal do Brasil anuncia. É pumba, iê, iê, boi, ano que vem, mês que foi. É pumba, iê, 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 é a mesma dança, meu povo. É pumba, iê, iê, so Tropicalia, it's like I always my the images like that I think of Tropicalia is like a blender that you put anything inside and you turn it on 
and results in something else. You know, it's, so it's embracing national cultural elements, but also bringing in international elements in, in, in all senses. Musically, you remember Caetano, Gil, when they start using guitar, distortion, wahs, and all the different sounds, the theremin and the mutantes with all that the great sound. At the same time, the, the rhythms were very Brazilian, and they also had Maestro Rogério Duprat doing the arrangements, orchestrations. Você precisa saber da piscina, da margarina, da carolina, da gasolina. Você precisa saber de mim. a degree of humor and sarcasm and uh, at the same time uh, keeping the, the roots of our music and bringing in all the, uh, these international sounds in terms of music. I think it, it, it was a, a form of expression and moving towards the future. You have wars happening uh, abroad, you know, the Vietnam War, you have a govern repressive government. In 1968, the world is exploding mm -hmm. and uh, the youth takes over and say, let's do something. Let's break away from the status quo or let's come up with something new. And that was the moment in Brazil as well. Let's talk about some of the key figures of Tropicalia. Tell us about Caetano Veloso, who was kind of the spokesman for the movement. Caetano Veloso, his interest was actually in film initially. And then you went to Rio de Janeiro and uh, also came up with a, a new sound, a new way of doing music, incorporating international music elements, which resulted in the Tropicalismo movement. With Alegria, Alegria, that marks the, to me, that marks the beginning of a sound, of a concept, of a movement. Caminhando contra o vento, sem lenço, sem documento, no sol de quase dezembro. Eu vou. O sol se reparte em crimes, espaçonaves, guerrilhas, em cardinales bonitas. Eu vou. Em caras de presidentes, em grandes beijos de amor, em dentes, pernas, bandeiras, bomba e Brigitte Bardo. O sol nas bancas de. Revista me enche de alegria e preguiça. Quem lê tanta notícia, eu vou por entre fotos e nomes. You know, Caetano Veloso told me once that uh, the leftist, uh, the, the protest singers too, looked down upon the tropicalistas as well because uh, they were decadent uh, for, for taking on these Western influences in their music. Yes. You know, you were, they weren't pure enough for, for them. That's right. The left thought he was going away from tradition. The right would not accept him because he was a newcomer with new ideas and the way they dressed and the, the sound and everything. So he, he was kind of left by, by himself. Gilberto Gil is a creative and inventor. He's able to come up with the 
music styles and uh, new ideas. And I think uh, he was able, with the first song that he presented in a festival, Domingo no Park, to pretty much establish what tropicalism was going to be. He has a way of writing like a film. It's uh, cinematic. Mm -hmm. It's like slides or images. O rei da brincadeira, hey, José. o rei da confusão, hey, um trabalhava na feira, hey, outro na construção. Hey, A semana passada, no fim da semana, João resolveu não brigar. No domingo de tarde saiu apressado e não foi pra Ribeira jogar. Capoeira não foi pra lá, pra Ribeira foi namorar. O José, como sempre, no fim da semana guardou a barraca e sumiu. Foi fazer no domingo um passeio no parque, lá perto da boca do rio. Foi no parque que ele avistou Juliana foi que So on their recordings and live on the festival circuit, the Tropicalistas were often backed by this amazing band, Os Mutantes. They really were like mutants, musically, visually, every which way. Who were these people? Os Mutantes, they were ahead of the time. Sergio Dias Batista, the guitarist, was one of the best rock guitarists of Brazil, and still is. Mm. I used to hang with those mutantes. I, I, uh, they were neighbors in São Paulo. So I used to go to their house all the time. <laughs> and I talked to them all the time. And Serginho, it's so very smart. And Claudio Cesar building all those instruments. Everything they played was built by Claudio. You know, the guitars, the amplifiers, the wahs. I myself have a guitar that was built by, by them. Oh, uh, man. Those days, I was maybe 18. That's bragging rights. But the most interesting thing is not just the, the musicianship, but the concept of Os Mutantes, what they came up with, the lyrics, the, the way they presented themselves. Because if you see a picture, and I would encourage people to look at southpenis.org for a picture, <laughs> they look like they're from Mars. talking to Veloso and he said you know we were all amazed at you know the costumes and the outrageousness that they would cause at these festivals when they would appear and that song uh, Bread and Circuses uh, is the translation of the title where they talk about those people in the dining room and it was kind of like it was an us against them kind of the, the people in the dining room were clueless they didn't know what was going on right. and we're the new generation Tigres e os leões nos quintais Mas as pessoas 
pessoas na sala de jantar São ocupadas em nascer e morrer As you said, it, there was a lot of metaphor here But you can see why uh, people in authority might have been upset by this, and it seemed very intentional that they were sort yeah. of uh, creating this ruckus. They, were, they wanted to be uh, subversive in a way. Yeah, I think that they were by far much smarter than <laughs> the, the military and the censors. Sometimes they, would, they, didn't, they wouldn't pick up things. They mm-hmm. had a sense that something was going on, but they could not point their finger of, on what was happening. And remember, like Caetano, Gil, Os Mutantes, these people are highly, highly well-informed, mm-hmm. educated. So as a result, you have a, a group of people who could see not only what was going on in Brazil at the time, but they're moving towards the future. But they paid a price. You know, in December 1968, the military cracks down on all of civil society in Brazil. They pass what's called Institutional Act Number 5, and that curtails civil rights and shuts down public protests. Within weeks, Gaetano Veloso and Gilberto Gil are arrested and forced into exile. Yes, absolutely, yes. Obviously, it was a dark time for them because they had to leave home, stop a a process, a music process that was going on already. There was a movement going on. You know, something was happening, and that was, you know, curtailed, and they had to leave home and, and, and and live in London. And the tragedy, I think, of those years is... Fans like uh, Greg and I, we didn't discover Os Mutantes until 35 years later. Imagine if Hendrix's music or or exactly. the music of The Who, you know, was shut down by the government and the rest of the exactly. world was deprived of this influence. And Yeah, they missed something. The golden moment of tropicalismo. And so when Caetano and Gil, uh, they return to Brazil, they move on into something else. Mm-hmm. So things change. We've been talking with Sergio Mielnichenko, host of the Brazilian Hour. Sergio, thanks so much for being our guest and our guide on Sound Opinions. All right, my pleasure. And we want to hear from you. What do you think about Bossa Nova, MPB, Tropicalia, or any Brazilian artists? Leave us a message on our hotline, 888-859-1800. When we come back, we're going to talk about the contemporary music scene in Brazil. Then, the new album from jazz folk guitarist Riley Walker. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. We have been talking about a particularly creative period in Brazilian 
history on the music scene, 1958 to 1968. But of course, Brazilian music doesn't stop there. We want to know what's going on today. To get a perspective on that, we've turned to Chris McGowan, California native, prolific freelance writer, uh, been living in Brazil for many years, and is the co-author of the Brazilian sound, Samba, Bossa Nova, and the Popular Music of Brazil. Chris, welcome to Sound Opinions. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, Chris. So uh, I'm a visitor. Let's say we booked that flight to uh, Brazil. I come into Rio, and I turn on the radio uh, trying to find some music. What am I going to hear when I turn that radio on in, in, in Rio? Well, one thing people have to realize is, is it's a huge country, and, and it has a musical diversity that's about as big as the United States. Uh, and uh, uh, there are just many different types of music, but the most popular type of music in Brazil today is this Sertanejo or Musica Sertaneja, their their type of country music. That's what sells the most albums, and you, you hear it everywhere. The, their their country music had its roots in this in local Brazilian folk music, and there's often these uh, duos, these two guys singing plaintively together, usually very sad songs. <laughs> And then, in the, like the last 10 years, it became, it had more of a, an American, almost, you know, like rock influence with the instrumentation with uh, electronic keyboards or electric guitars or what have you. And it became more upbeat and more kind of party music. Who are the most popular artists in that genre? I'd say like Michelle Tello is uh, one of them. Well, one of the things I was fascinated about, because every time we've done one of these world tours, it seems like uh, no matter what corner of the globe we're visiting, the influence of American hip-hop has been tremendous. Uh, are you hearing any of these sounds that we've been talking about in this show merging with uh, hip-hop in Brazil today? Well, sure, yeah. I mean, there's the big part of the music here. It's very popular. Uh, they like American hip-hop, and, and there are lots of Brazilian hip-hop artists who uh, do it in their own way, in their own fashion. And a lot of them are often singing about um, problems in poor areas and underdeveloped areas, uh, with the police and poverty and crime and similar issues as, as some some rappers rap about in the United States and um, but they, they often they mix they mix things that are very Brazilian in with it like there's some styles like embolada and hepanchi which were sort of like proto rap that have been around for for decades and decades uh, a kind of a Brazilian homegrown style. One of the most interesting artists is a guy named Marcelo D2, who was shown in the Olympics opening ceremony. He was singing with um, Zeca Pagodinho, who's a big samba star, and Marcelo D2 is, has merged rap and hip-hop with... Um, Samba and even Bossa Nova and, and done it in, in 
brilliant ways that are very uh, engaging and interesting. Não consegue não tá esperto porque o certo nem sempre está por perto. Perto de iguais olhos do coração. Não se pode ter tudo e nem tudo que se tem está ao alcance das mãos. Ninguém aguenta ouvir os outros reclamar. Ninguém aguenta mais ouvir os outros reclamar. Chega para cá então que eu vou te dar um plá. Vamos lá, vamos lá. Is there anything uh, happening today, Chris? as uniquely weird and otherworldly as Os Mutantes or some of the other more inventive groups from the Tropicalia movement? I think so, yeah. The problem is a lot of it is kind of underground, and, you know, it's not a, it's, sometimes it can be hard to find unless you're just really somebody who is very good at, at searching the stuff out. But there's some, there's some groups like uh, Bugarins and a few others, Graviola, who are making... Some some pretty weird music, <laughs> a lot of experimentation. That's that's just kind of all over the place. The Boogerines were a, a band uh, that I really liked a lot. Uh, they put out a record a couple of years ago. Very psychedelic band, right, Chris? Right, right. Yeah, a lot of psychedelic rock influence. <laughs> There's this whole style Ashe music from Bahia, uh, which is A-X-E, like spelled like axe with an accent. And it's it's incorporating Afro-Brazilian rhythms from Bahia in this very upbeat, danceable, carnival kind of blend. And, and they're big artists. They're, they're, they have some very big artists like Yvette Sangalo and Claudia Lecce. Uh, and that's that's a certain type of music if you're into carnival and dancing for eight hours straight. And there's also in um, in Belém up. In the Amazon region, they invented this style called techno brega, which takes a lot of electronic beats and they just layer all kinds of music into it and samples and it's very danceable and very regional and they have a big star named Gabi Amarantos. I think you've convinced us we got to book our ticket, uh, Chris. We'll come down and uh, and visit. Okay. We've been talking to Chris McGowan, the co-author of the Brazilian sound Samba, Bossa, and the popular music of Brazil. Chris has been talking to us from Rio. Thanks so much for being our guest. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. A funny thing she said to me here I could see you giving me a child But to Rome and I here You're gonna give them what is mine You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that's Riley Walker with a track called Funny Thing She Said from his new album, Golden Sings That Have Been Sung. 
don't know about the uh, syntax or the uh, grammar in that particular <laughs> title. composition, but that's the title of the album. Riley Walker came to the uh, Chicago independent music scene in the early 2010s, released a bunch of EPs. Things really started to happen for him, though, in 2015 with the release of the album Primrose Green, where his guitar style brought him a lot of acclaim. You know, here's the new guitar virtuoso on the indie scene. He was playing with a bunch of jazz musicians on this particular record. And in the 200 tour dates that followed the release of that record, you saw a style that many observers were comparing to the the folk soul of Van Morrison circa Mm -hmm. Astral Weeks or some of those uh, soul musicians like Terry Collier who are playing in a finger-picked acoustic style but with this very soulful layering on top. And then this new album, Golden Sings That Have Been Sung. Different lineup, working with a producer for the first time, Leroy Bach, formerly of the band Wilco. Here's a track from that album, then we're going to review it. It's called The Half-Wit in Me from Riley Walker on Sound Opinions. That is Riley Walker, the Chicago musician, with the song Half Wit in Me, the opening track on Golden Sings that have been sung, and it's a real stunner of a track, Greg. I first discovered him down at South by Southwest, and he blew me away. Anybody who can do those kind of Van Morrison vocals and pull them off live, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to have chops. His guitar playing has come to the fore in recent years. It's impossible to talk about this young musician without dropping a bunch of names. You know, people are talking about the finger-picking style of John Fahey. Or you go back to the early pre-rock British folk scene, you know, John Martin. People toss Tim Buckley into the mix, a lot of Nick Drake. You know, but I think all of this name-dropping that all the indie fans are obsessed with, you know, shorts just how powerful his vocals and his guitar playing are. There are a lot of reference points, but these are beautiful songs. There's only eight of them. This is a relatively short record, but it's a stunner in the sense that the the mood it creates and sucks you into is just beautiful. It's, it's really beautiful, soulful folk music. I give it an enthusiastic buy it. Jim, I disagree with you about the soulful, beautiful part. I mean, I think it's there, and I think that's an apt description for what he was doing last year. But I think on this record, he makes a turn with uh, Leroy Bach's production into something new, new territory. I think it would have been very easy 
to typecast Riley Walker as a disciple of that folk soul era from the late 60s, early 70s on that record that he put out in 2015. Here, he's carving out new territory. Uh, you know, I think about clarinet that uh, surfaces on the Halfwit in Me, that track we just mm-hmm. played, uh, that auto harp on Age Old Tale. Yola, that gives that spooky vibe to funny things she said, um, and the keyboards that Bach layers throughout these recordings give it kind of an unsettling air. So there's always a sense of something's not quite right. But I don't hear as much of that sort of retro feel to this record. This feels very modern to me. Every one of these songs feels like it was set in a bar. Either it feels that way or it actually is. He's, he's going through some stuff. That, that track, Sullen Mind, I think is the, is the key moment on this record, and there's a lot of turmoil there. And with a sullen mind I carry And with a sullen mind I'm And with a sullen mind I lay down So I give Riley Walker a lot of credit for combining that virtuoso guitar playing, he's very good on that instrument, with a more textured, atmospheric, weirder, sonic landscape. And I think this is a major step up for him. This is a buy-it record for me. Well, that's an enthusiastic double buy-it, Greg. Uh, You hear more weirdness, I hear more soul. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to look at the art of writing hit songs with Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil and Ryan Tedder. Greg, Sound Opinions was produced by Brendan Banizak, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Daphne McGlean, who's leaving. We wish her the best. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hi, Jim and Greg. My name is Erin from Austin, Texas. And with regard to the Olympians listening to songs to anthem up for excellence, I remember as a young woman getting psyched up to go on dates, I would listen to Whitney Houston's I'm Every Woman. Well, putting on my makeup and psyching myself up to go out with a new guy. I live here in Austin. Whenever, right before I start running while I'm still stretching, I play Let My Love Open the Door. Great song. Gets you really ready for, like, running around or whatever else. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good night.
My name is Jason. I'm calling from Sarasota, Florida. I'm going to go kind of abstract here. I was going to say with the Olympics and being, you know, Olympian and having to concentrate, I would go with Steve Reich, his Octet album. enough they can concentrate and focus but it's not too obtrusive you know it's not distracting at all all right take care hey sound opinions this is clark from elmers the song that gets me most motivated and focused is other voices by the orwells you can't beat that beat when you're on a bike and you're out there racing and just training for mile after mile Um, I listened to Sound Opinions last week when Courtney Barnett was on the show, and I just wanted to say that I thought she was so good. I don't know, she's so good at capturing, like, regular emotions and feelings and making them fun to listen to. I'll lay you awake at four, staring at the wall, counting all the cracks. seemed so humble and nice and I thought it was really interesting to hear how even her songs that are seemingly kind of out there are still based on real day-to-day experiences. I'm so, so glad you guys had her on the show. Peace. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.